0: today on focus on why I am joined by another podcast host Sarah Ferris from Conning the Con
1: welcome Hello thank you for having me Amy I'm very excited. Yeah wow let's let's just go dive straight in what is it you're doing at the moment? well I kind of feel like I need to go back a step to get to where I am right now because it probably won't make any other any sense otherwise. Back in 2018, my little sister Emma uh, was on Tinder and she was found this lovely guy called Andrew. Everything seemed to check out and she dated him and she dated him for six months. And after uh, six months, uh, she had become, you know, really invested in this guy and vice versa. His mother had come over and stayed with her. So there was a lot of layers of building trust there. And then... The day after she deposited a really large chunk of money into his bank account, $300,000, she discovered his real identity. But the kicker was at that moment he didn't know that she had discovered his real identity and we both hit record at that stage. So we spent the next couple of months uh, basically going around and tearing down this massive web of cons that he had set up. And the central piece of that con was, was Emma's money basically. Uh, So yeah, that, that happened. But because that happened, we were sort of, uh, the next thing that happened was because of that was Emma is a really smart person. Uh, And I Could not understand how it had happened to my, you know, entrepreneurial, intelligent, beautiful sister. It was one of those things that I thought only happened to, you know, naive, gullible. Uh, Sometimes, you know, there's the misconception that it's greedy people that get conned. So I really wanted to unwind that. And uh, when it happened, Emma and I both were trying to just unravel what had happened. And as we're going through that process, we're still trying to you know, bring down this con man at the same time as unraveling it. And what kind of came out of it for us was two different things. My motivation was to try and get an understanding of uh, how these con artists work. And how we can protect ourselves from uh, that happening, and why do we fall for it? Why why are we so susceptible to it? And Emma's uh, kind of angle was that she wanted to show that you can recover from trauma. So she's a uh, stress and breathing coach. She's a trained physiotherapist. So she had some tools in the toolbox when this happened to her, to actually you know recover and fight and and bounce back from it. But um, That kind of led me on this path, and we both created this podcast called Conning the Con, which is the documentary of um, all of that con sort of unfolding in real time. And, uh, yeah, it's been a a really big success, which was unexpected. But, um, you know, from that, our, our whole goal was to... Educate people. And um, on our podcast, we have an amazing psychologist called Dr. Sophie Muir, and she goes through and highlights the red flags. uh, You know, and we delve into the kind of person that becomes a serial con man and the psychopathic traits that generally are present in somebody that is a serial offender and how to look out for those those traits and 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 just understanding that you're not really dealing with a person like you or I they are actually made up in a completely different way than you and I so that was the real uh, motivation to to make the podcast and yeah and it's taken me on a very interesting path and that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. So 2018
0: six months later she deposits this money and You had that moment where you said you hit record. How did she discover the real identity? What was that moment?
1: Oh, well, so I should say that um, when she started dating him, uh, as a family, we're quite a big, tight sort of family, and we all had these red flag moments coming up. And so we would... Say to her, "Oh, Emma, you know that doesn't sound right," and she would go back to him and question him, and then he would put her mind, mind at ease because that's what they do; they're so good at it. So all this while there was these red flags coming up, but still, still she she didn't believe that there was anything wrong. Um, and in the podcast, we go into that in a lot of depth why he managed to do that, but thankfully. Because I'm in the UK and I wasn't close to the situation, I was hearing these things kind of, you know, maybe once a week, secondhand. Um, but she had some really good friends. And her friends uh, started hearing some of the things that Emma was saying and just went, hmm, yeah, no, I'm going to do a bit of digging on that. And so two of her very close friends dug really deep and they, they went into his, like... Uh, you know, business profile, and they and they found out his real name, and when they found out his real name, they put it in, and up came a newspaper article that said his name and that he had been convicted of fraud. At that time, they didn't know how to tell Emma. They were kind of like, she's not going to believe us. Um, and also they thought that he was currently in her house. So they were really fearful for her safety. And there was a real moment of like, you know, how do we deal with this? So, um, you know, in the in the podcast, it's sort of the drama of that moment is captured. Um, we have her friends telling how they felt when they had to go around and tell her this information. And um yeah, that that moment was was horrific for her, absolutely horrific. Um, and because they managed to deliver the information in a way that she kind of just sort of went into shock, there was a moment when um, people around her, her family managed to get to the bank and uh, pause the transaction that was going through. So um, there's a really... <laughs> really emotional moment where she actually has to turn up to the bank uh, with the con man and pretend that everything is okay. And that was the only way that she could get some of that money back. Um, And she was shaking and scared for her life, but she should have gotten Oscar in that moment because You know, he believed her and uh, there was enough of a carrot still dangling for him to stay invested in it. Uh, And that was the only way that she was going to get the rest of the money back, which is why we had to keep up the facade that the relationship was uh, still, you know, still real for him, but not for her. I hope that makes sense. Sorry.
0: (laughs) And has she recovered the money?
1: Uh, No, not all of it. Uh, so yeah, she's she recovered two thirds of it, but still is out of pocket quite considerably.
0: Wow. And so, why the show? I mean, I, I understand that you want to educate people, you want to to try and alert people to the dangers of these psychopaths and, and the tendencies and the traits that they have. Is it working?
1: Yeah. Well, during the process of making the podcast we didn't know we were going to make a podcast, you know, so when Emma hit record initially, she did it because it was going to be a diary and almost like a security. Like if something happens to me, this is out there. People will know, um, they can, they can listen to the audio and they'll go, right, I know who I'm going after. Um, so from that moment on, when she hit record to to do the very initial, um, recording, which you'll hear at, at the very beginning of the podcast, uh, we just kept going and we didn't have a clue what we were going to do with it, but there was a real kind of um, almost, it was cathartic as well. It was kind of like, well, if we keep this and then we can sort of go back over it as it happens because it felt like we were in a movie um, and we were living these real life moments that just felt like they should be a Netflix drama and we didn't know what was going to happen. So over that time though, there was a real fear. We were like, Mm, I don't know if we should share the story. And what would happen is one of us would be on a seesaw. One would go... I think it's the right thing to share the story. This is going to help other people and protect other people. And then the other one of us would be like, Emma, this is crazy. We shouldn't be telling the story. You know, you might be in danger. We don't know how this guy will react. And then maybe the month later it would swing and Emma would be like, no, I need to tell my story or what have you. So we kept seesawing back and forth. And we got to a point where we were like, do you know what? it was Emma that she was like, I'm not going to live in fear. I'm not going to live in fear and give him any more power Um, because that's what's silencing other people is this shame and the, uh, the misconceptions about people that are are being conned. And, you know, the silence allows these people to keep operating because nobody is sharing their stories. Um, And that is really why we did it. And the first episode went out and, and our, Mantra was if this can help just one other person from being you know for protect them from being conned um, or victimized then it will be job done and literally the first episode went out and we just got our inbox filled up with people saying you I cannot thank you enough you've for sharing your story the same thing happened to me. I can't speak out because I'm living in fear from the person that had victimised me. Um, We had uh, ex-girlfriends reaching out to us who had also been conned and victimised, and some of them hadn't had the power to even tell anyone else that they'd dated a con man until the podcast came out, and that gave them the power to do so. So for us at that moment, we were just like, job done, whatever happens from now on, you know it's done what we set out what its intent was
0: and what about the repercussions for for the the, the man involved what happened to
1: him oh so I don't know if I spoiler alert um <laughs> have not got that far on the podcast yet no we have we have um it has concluded I'm sure being a serial con man um I'm sure there's going to be more chapters to be written by him um but when he, he did get arrested and went to jail. And then, unfortunately, in January of this year, he Emma got a, a phone call from from a journalist who said, uh, I just need to let you know that um, I've been contacted by a woman um, in Auckland, New Zealand, where it's, this happened, and uh, she has been uh, on a date with a man she met on Bumble she contacted me because she had some red flags around the stories that he was telling her. So he told her that he was a entrepreneur worth millions of dollars and also a spy, which is uh, part of the stories that he told my sister. Uh, but he he took, he took a few months to wind up to the spy situation, the spy story. And that all came out after we knew that he was a con man. So was falling on deaf ears by that stage for us. But this woman um, managed to just go onto the internet with his name and because Emma had had him arrested, his photo popped up so she could actually see straight away that he was a con man um, and went to the journalist. But Emma hadn't even been told that he was out of jail at that stage. So it was a really shocking call and it was a real eye-opener that the system has got some some flaws in it as well. Um, And he'd been out of jail probably maybe two weeks and he'd gone straight back onto Tinder, onto Bumble and and repeated the same pattern. So clearly no rehabilitation uh, was being achieved there.
0: So she slipped off the radar completely. For, was she in any kind of program being supported at all
1: or no, nothing? No, she slipped off the victim support radar entirely um, and, uh, yeah, It was the support wasn't there, which was a real, real shame. Even and especially when it came to the court, we we hadn't had an experience of being in the in the justice system. Um, and it's the same world over. I'm sure it's not something you ever want to be in, but when you are, there's not really a guide uh, to it. And you know she found herself in situations where she was sitting in court thinking I can do this I'm strong and then you know really it's a traumatic experience and um the trauma of that was felt quite deeply and 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 she did need a support person there
0: and you said she had the tools to recover being the stress and breathing coach and having that from that perspective but Had she not had those, it would have been quite sort of debilitating. It could have been quite traumatic for her to have recovered from that. I mean,
1: yes, there's a financial loss, but there's so much more. There is so much more. There is so much more. I mean, you know, this is a person that, you know, she thought she was in love with. And there's that trust there now, permanently broken. It's a really kind of icky thought that somebody could could go that uh, that deep into a con, really, six months of it. It's all grooming, and um, that leaves a very broken uh, trust, you know, that, that somebody who's coming in afterwards is going to have a lot of bridges to build back up, I think.
0: I mean, you say six months. I mean, that's a long time to to have to constantly weave this web of deceit. I mean, that's a lot of work required
1: it is it is but one of the things that we we kind of learned along the way from the psychologist is that people that are high in those psychopathic traits um you know that's 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 their that's their sweet spot they love to live in that risk um and that that is their everyday life getting caught that's not something that even kind of you know slows them down it is the way that they think is just so different from you and I. So one of the ones that really stuck out in my mind was um, this predatory memory that people that are high in psychopathic traits have. And uh, what it means is, if they tell So there's been research done, and I'm probably going to screw it up. It's best that you listen to the podcast and, and what Dr Muir says perfectly. But um, what I took away from it was there was research that was done that they would um, tell a story to people that are high on those, with those psychopathic traits. And in the story, there would be a vulnerable female character. Now, a person that has high psychopathic traits can retell the details of that character so much better than somebody who hasn't got psychopathic traits because they have a predatory memory and they look for the vulnerable and they look for the utility in a person. What can that person do for me? What can I get out of that person? Um, And then they have another equally as terrifying thing uh, called a psychological mask, and that is something that they um, basically mould themselves into the perfect partner for you. So what they will do is look at, look at what you are looking for and they'll mold themselves and reflect that back to you. So oftentimes, you know, and as we, we unwound Emma's story, she did say something that really resonated with me. And it was that, um, he was Switzerland, you know, in a relationship, when you are getting to know someone, it's oftentimes that there's a bit of, you know, back and forward, maybe some kind of, you know, we don't agree on that, but we do agree on that. Have a conversation about that. Mm, No, we're still not going to agree on that. There's differences, you know, and that's part of a good, healthy relationship. But with him, it was, as she said, Switzerland, he was just always there and always neutral, never pushing the buttons. And I think that's something that you, you know you can take away. And the other really um, th- uh, good point that Dr. Sophie Moore made was there's a lot of intensity in um, uh, these con artists' interactions with you. So they will get into your personal space. There's a lot of eye contact. Um, and, you know, y- you often feel enthralled. These are exciting people. They're charming. They're dynamic. And they're really, really interesting. I mean, I met Andrew um, when I went to New Zealand and I only met him for like, you know, maybe one or two days, but he was salt of the earth kind of guy, really interesting, charming, charismatic, but again, Switzerland, not not anything arrogant or over the top. So um, one of the things that Dr. Sophie Muir points out is that oftentimes you will feel swept up in the moment when you're with them. But when you're away from that person, take note of how you feel because if you're left after an interaction with somebody with high psychopathic traits, you'll often feel confused and bamboozled and wondering what just happened and those are the moments that you really need to trust your gut instinct. So, yeah.
0: And was it those moments that her really good friends, you said, had those red flag moments it was almost that there was this neutrality there was there was this sort of this is weird like how can he be so great all the time almost
1: yeah because when you are listening to the facts removed from the person who is charming and believable and has groomed you for six months uh you don't see them with the same you know, vision. You've got your sort of rose-tinted goggles on, um, and and you and you've been isolated and conditioned by this person to a degree. Uh, so those red flags are much easier to spot from the outside. Um, but I mean, I should say, like all those red flags, I had as well. So so much so that I called him Dirty Andrew before I met him, and I called it called him Dirty Andrew as a joke over Skype when I met him uh, for the first time and, like, oh, my God, you sound too good to be true. Maybe you're a bit like Dirty Andrew, as in Dirty John, the Netflix series that had just recently come out at the time. And he was like, oh, don't call me Dirty Andrew. I'm nothing like that. And, you know, when I met him, I was really sceptical and um, I went into it, like, you know, drilling him. He he turned up <laughs> at um at our family kind of gathering. We were at a lake and we were all sitting around and I had three chairs lined up and I put one in the middle, you know, facing the other three. And I said, sit there, Andrew, time for an interrogation. And, you know, he took it really well. And he, I went into that situation with red flags. I was one step removed. But when I left, I did not have those same reservations. I just thought, Mm, he seems really genuine he seems to love Emma uh you know his mother had been to visit that's a layer of how a con man can't just bring in a fake mum that just didn't seem like it would work you know there was that didn't seem possible um so even though I had all those red flags I still walked away thinking no this guy's okay so you know, it's 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 something that it's very hard to um believe unless you've experienced it.
0: And is it something that is passed down genetically or is this just
1: one of those things that you have these psychopathic traits? Well, I wouldn't want to um, pretend that I would know the, the full answer to that. But what I did learn is that um, very, very much. I mean, I did ask the psychologist this. I said, "Are people born evil? Are they born that way?" And, and you know, she, I think her her answer was, "There's not a lot known about mm-hmm. the genetics and the biology of psychopathic traits." But what she did say, you know, people, there's very few people that would be born evil. It is generally a um, product of childhood uh, experiences and uh, the manipulation in particular with people that turn into serial con artists it's a utility that served them through their childhood for whatever reason and it becomes that pathological lying is is part of it and and that utility is becomes ingrained in them it just becomes habit and, uh, and that's how they function
0: and how many are there of this type of person around us?
1: Well, thankfully, uh, according to Dr. Sophie again, <laughs> is, um, there's less than 1% of the population that are truly uh, high in psychopathic traits. Uh, but, you know, there are, I, I personally, you know, that's a scale, it's a spectrum. So that 1%, I'm not sure if that's like, that's just all of them, but I think there's there's sort of layers of people that can see utility in other people and um, and maximise it, really, and, and take advantage. So I'm sure there's, yeah, there's bad people out there. But, you know, there's more good, which is great news.
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I, it's kind of a relief that there's only one less than 1% of the population that are going to bamboozle and confuse us to the point of just, I, I mean, I can't imagine... How that must feel or or be to as as you said, you know she emma was in love and 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 yet there was this whole chaotic conundrum there the whole time and and yet, as you say, it's only in the moments that dr Muir said when you're not with them that you spot that was she left alone very
1: much no and I think that's another part of their uh, MO is that they are very, like, invasive of your time. So even though he perhaps wasn't invasive of her space all the time, so Emma had two young children at the time and, you know, had been divorced for two years, she's got her own business life was busy and she would say that life was really busy. She didn't have the space to step back and the space that she did, did have was then filled with him. And a lot of the times it's this, um, there's just the endless texts and emails and, you know, talking and it, there's never a moment to, to pause and just like go, Oh, that's weird. He's already on to the next thing. He's on to the next text. Um, so Yeah space is key. And she would, I think that was one of her biggest learnings. And how did it feel for you, Sarah, to be across the other side of the world? Um, It was horrific. It was horrific. I mean, when something happens to anyone you love, you know, um, you go into that kind of I want to rip their head off mode. Uh, and I was far too far away to do that, <laughs> uh, which was probably a good thing because I probably would have turned up on his doorstep and and just hunted him down, I think. Um, but Emma did come over, like, uh, in a couple of months after it happened and, and we spent a lot of time together just unravelling it and recording and, um, you know, hopefully... Hopefully, healing a little bit for her, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's a really not a nice situation to 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 have to ever see someone go through that much pain, and as a unit of as as a wider ripple effect out, everybody's trust in our family has been a little bit shaken in terms of oh, well, that's coloured our world permanently now. The trust that we have of the 99% of the population that is, uh, you know, wonderful and kind and generous and giving is now coloured by that 1% um, that isn't. And the ripple effect out from just 1%, it's a diabolical kind of fallout. So the podcast has been a hit. The
0: podcast has been downloaded, it's been number one in New Zealand. Where else? What else has it done?
1: Well, we laugh because the other place. Well, I mean, it's in in charts all over the world, and and we laugh looking at the places that it, that people are listening. But the, my favourite one is that um, it was number one in the Cayman Islands, which is known for its kind of you know <laughs> not so uh, cleaned, you know, bit of tax evasion place, that kind of thing. Um. But so that did make me laugh. Um. But yeah, we've been we've been really pleased with with the success of it, and um. As the numbers grow in different countries, it's nice to know that the message is getting out to, to lots of people out there because we then get other people from different countries coming back to us and saying, that it, it happened to me as well. And it's not something that's geographical. Con, con men are everywhere and con women.
0: So when you've completed this whole story of Emma, are you going to then take it into other areas? Are you going to do something similar with other people's stories?
1: Well, funny you should say that. <laughs> So, um, you know, since since having this uh, success with the podcast, it's really uh, made me realise that there are a lot of people that have stories to tell. Um, but at the same time as my sister was being conned, my um, in-laws happened to be uh, involved in one of the largest Ponzi schemes in New Zealand at the same time. So that all happened in 2019 and I was just like, this year couldn't get any worse. And then we got to 2020 and got COVID. So <laughs> I was like, oh, my bad. <laughs> but um, so the next podcast that I've been working on um is one that uh, the working title is uh, The Long Con. So um in this story, it's about a man called Barry Clue who uh, basically, you know, 81 victims that we know of and over $15 million stolen over a period of 40 years. That's how long he knew my in-laws for. Um, So that's currently one podcast that I'm working on. And I'm also working on one uh, that's really, as a true crime kind of junkie, is very exciting. Um, I'm working with the former head of the FBI's active shooter program Catherine Schwate and we are pulling together a podcast um, that is the working title for that one is called Stop the Killing which is also the name of her book Uh, and we're going to be looking at the lessons that we can learn to help prevent uh, you know more deaths in the 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 massive uh gun crime not just in america but around the world and what we can learn from incidents that have happened that she's been involved in like S- sandy hook columbine um you know so that's that's happening as well and then i've got a little show on an app called fireside which is called community and and there we look at a lighter side of um of, of scams and frauds uh, and we highlight maybe a, a, a an internet scam each week and at the end of the, the show we do two, two truths and a lie with a different guest each week which is really fun and a lot of laughter so it's completely the light compared to the dark of some of the other work that I'm doing um, and the whole point of doing that is to illustrate to people that you know you can't just spot a lie. What you think, your ability to spot a lie from a person, is it's often based in um, misconceptions. It's all about the delivery uh, and the confidence of the person that's delivering it. And so in our game each week, I mean, the, I have a co-host that does it with me. At the very beginning, he was like, I said to him, how good do you think you are at spotting a lion? He was like, oh, you can't pull the wool over my eyes. He's literally got two out of ten right. Um, and that just illustrates the point, you know. So, yeah, that's what's happening for me at the moment. It's very busy. Oh, that's fantastic. And how did you meet up
0: and and with the former head of the FBI from the not the former head of the FBI what was the full title
1: there she is the well I mean she's a quadruple threat she really is um so uh, she's the former head of the FBI's active shooter program That's it's it. a very okay. yeah specific <laughs> program um but yeah so she was working with the uh Joe Biden's when it was Obama's presidency after Sandy Hook she um, came into Joe Biden's administration, and, and and they did a lot of research, um, and pulled together all the data on how to basically deal with these active shooter pro, um, active shooter incidents, and look at whether or not they were actually increasing, or whether it was just the media that were highlighting them more. And the the stats that she was talking about with me the other day were just horrific. They really are um, yeah. increasing.
0: My, my cousin's children were involved in the Fort Lauderdale Valentine's Day shooting a few only a handful of years ago and it, it was horrendous at the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas School and oh, it, you know the fallout from that is just horrendous but he has been involved in a program called the 4S which are fewer firearms fewer funerals and to try and stop these school shootings so oh yeah there's there's active work going on out there but it is a it's a it's a really tough one with the, the firearms in the States, isn't
1: it? Yeah, it is. And I think what um, we're going to be discussing is you know, as an outsider looking in at the US, I don't know about you, but I look at it and go, oh, just get rid of the guns. It's just not as simple as that. Mm. Um, so, what do we do? And you know, we live in in the UK. We've had terror incidents as well, uh, so it's really looking at um, the ways that we, you know, the prevention methods. The looking at the the red flags um, of these people. You know, see something, say something, is one of the messages that's really strong. Um, and yeah, I think you know, as, she, as Catherine would say, she's a do gooder, and and she wants to do this podcast so that we can say she to save lives what the information she's got out there to share will hopefully if it gets to the right ears, save some lives and that's that's the motivation for her to share the information
0: so sarah what is it that you were doing before you became a podcaster
1: <laughs> oh can i say sweet fo no um... <laughs> No, um, I have uh, a property business, so something completely unrelated. But do you know what I think? Um, it goes back to my roots. I I did my degree in social work, um, so I've always, I mean, Catherine, uh, the FBI lady, you know, describes herself as a do-gooder, and that really resonated with me. There's always been part of me that wants to make a change in the world that will uh, be positive, positive. Um, and I don't know that I found that m- moment until now. I feel like this is this is something that's giving a platform to people to to share their stories and to make a difference and and that information is going to be out there forever on podcasts so um you know it kind of goes back to that do good inside me I think that wants to make a positive change in the world yeah so that that's the focus on why 100 percent 100
0: percent yeah, I love that. So fantastic. So how could people get in contact with you, Sarah?
1: What's the best way to, to reach out to you?
0: Uh,
1: you can find me on Instagram and Facebook. On Instagram, it is uh, at conningthecon, which is the name of the podcast. That's probably the easiest way. Um, so yeah, please, please feel free to share their stories. Everybody's got a con story. And uh, you know, it's interesting to hear them yeah well thank you so much for sharing your very
0: personal story and I know that you're okay with that because you've created the entire podcast around
1: <laughs> it. True. But, I yeah, box.
0: but but I can imagine that it was a tough call to go there at the time and it would have been a, a difficult one for for protection of your sister and for all of you because you didn't know what the repercussions were going to be so yeah thank you for that and thank you for for sharing what's coming up next. I'm really looking forward to the stop at the killing and the long con and your other more maybe truth is offset and jest two truths and a lie. You know, it it's, it's there's a lot to be said about that. So yeah, it's humorous, but
1: maybe not so really when you think about it. So. No, no, but I think sometimes the um, you know, the way to deliver a message the lighter it's delivered the harder it, ha- it sometimes hits home, you know, or resonates with people.
0: Absolutely. And, I yeah, I can't, I, I'm so, I'm looking forward to, to that one as well. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all of this. Do you have some final words for the audience, please? <sighs>
1: um, yeah, I, I think... The one thing I would like people to take away is to um, maybe not judge people that have been conned so quickly. There's a lot of shame uh, and, and many misconceptions around how it happens. And I think until you understand and educate yourself on why that happens and the grooming that happens around it, uh, if you don't educate yourself, you're probably going to be a really good next target for someone.
0: If you would like me to help you focus on your why, then please book a free 20-minute coaching call via candidly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson. And if you haven't already, please sign up for the Friday Focus weekly newsletter via my website, amyrollinson.com. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.